The Caribbean has always been a hotspot for hurricanes. They were first named Huracan by the Taino, the indigenous people of the Northern Caribbean. As warmer oceans provide the perfect conditions for their formation, seasonal storms are becoming more frequent and more intense. These superstorms are far beyond what most islands have the capacity to deal with, as seen by the ravages of Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas. Over the last three decades of the 20th century, the Caribbean lost an estimated 3.3 billion US dollars to weather and climate-related natural disasters. Climate change is not a distant prospect for the inhabitants of the Caribbean. It's a living reality. Instead of facing this challenge head-on, many regional governments have instead chosen to greenwash policies that are ineffective at best and actively destructive at worst. In June 2020, the Bahamian government came under fire after a proposal for a green free trade zone was leaked. The proposal put forward by multi-billionaire bioscientist Dr. Patrick Soon-Shiong for a North Andros green free trade zone entailed the expansion of ecotourism ventures in the region, the construction of a new international airport and a research hospital. The proposal's ecotourism components allow it to brand itself as eco-friendly by catering to bird watchers hikers, and other wilderness enthusiasts. All of these components served as a smokescreen for the project's destructive core. Mining 360 square miles of the region for aragonite, a mineral used in cement manufacturing, soil neutralization, and water filtration systems. Aragonite mining already happens in other parts of the Bahamas, and the product is mostly sold to the construction industry on the US mainland. The process is intensely ecologically disruptive as it involves dredging up massive swathes of the calm seabed, disturbing fine silt which in turn renders shallow waters cloudy and unconducive to the health of coral reefs. Because the reefs are integral to tropical marine life, aragonite mining is also highly disruptive to the livelihood of local fishermen. Coral reefs play a critical role in shielding the coastline during powerful storms. They help to break powerful waves before hitting the shore, reducing the threat of storm surges and coastal erosion. But between coastal development, warming waters and pollution, over 80% of Caribbean corals have been lost in the last half century. The proposal's green classification rested on its provisions for the expansion of ecotourism ventures in the North Andros region. The area is a designated national park so its habitat is relatively undisturbed, making it ideal for nature trails and coral reef snorkeling. It's also a popular wintering destination for several endangered bird species, which makes it attractive to bird watchers. But the inevitable ecological disruptions caused by aragonite mining and the massive increase in carbon emissions generated by the project's proposed airport would hardly be offset by ecotourism. Existing ecotourism operations in the Andros region, like Small Hope Bay Lodge, already acknowledge that the practice is oxymoronic, saying, if you really want to protect and preserve an ecosystem in its current state, keep the tourists as far away from it as possible. Even though the proposal was ultimately rejected by the Bahamian government for being incomplete, it's evocative of the government's broader approach to climate change. The main focus has been to try and make the country's tourism industry climate resilient, a Sisyphean task when tourism is a major contributor to ecological harm in the Bahamas. Sprawling, all-inclusive resorts displace entire islands and their ecosystems. A short-haul flight from Miami to Nassau 
produces more carbon emissions per passenger than the entire yearly per capita emissions of some nationalities. The Bahamas' ecological footprint is 1.4 times greater than the global average, which itself is already far higher than what is considered sustainable. The Bahamas also has a massive food import bill to feed itself and all of these arrivals. Since most of the arable land in the country is used for tourist resorts, in total it imports over 90% of what it consumes. Tourists who visit the country for its sun, sand and sea end up destroying the environment whilst enjoying it. They pollute its waters, further harming the health of the reef. They stay in sprawling beachfront developments which overcrowd fragile coastal ecosystems and trigger coastal erosion. They wear harmful sunscreens that contribute to coral bleaching. Even ecotourism does very little by way of reducing ecological harm when you factor in that most of these tourists are arriving by plane and put further strain on the country's food bill. When tourists crowd nature trails, they trample vegetation, erode the soil, widen the trails, and fragment fragile biomes as they crisscross delicate areas. Understandably, the Bahamian government can't easily abandon tourism. It generates over half of the country's GDP and has linkages with other productive sectors. Despite being battered by Hurricane Dorian in the summer, the Bahamas welcomed a record-breaking 7.2 million tourists to the island in 2019. That's 18 times the native Bahamian population. At the very least, the Bahamas could be using more of its tourism revenues to offset the costs of climate change mitigation and adaptation activities. The Bahamian parliament is already committed to transitioning to renewable energy in order to cut down on its fuel import bill. But this is the only mention of climate change in the 2020 budget presentation. A lot more needs to be done. With regards to the Bahamas, the United Nations Development Programme, UNDP, has said no one option alone is likely to achieve the desired results of reducing vulnerability to climate change. Other projects, like investing in newer, less land-intensive agricultural techniques, would enable the island to improve its food sovereignty. The UNDP has also recommended that the country consider reassessing its zoning practices to restrict certain types of development, further limiting environmentally destructive activities and overhauling outdated infrastructure. The COVID-19 pandemic has made the Bahamas' reliance on tourism for funding increasingly problematic. Most islands are now facing serious mitigation challenges due to a lack of funding in the wake of the oncoming hurricane season. Still, the Bahamas doesn't seem to have issues finding funding when it comes to other issues like immigration enforcement. The country deported 75 Haitians in the midst of the pandemic and maintains entire detention centers on separate islands from the general population. The government has the capacity to direct money to issues it perceives as threatening, and evidently they find Haitians attempting to escape abject poverty far more threatening than the very real issue posed by climate change. Stricter zoning laws, infrastructure overhauls, and harsher penalties for environmental degradation will make Bahamian tourism more expensive. It will mark an end to the era of entire islands being occupied by sprawling resorts. However, the Bahamas risks losing everything if business as usual is allowed to continue. 80% of the country is a metre or less above sea level. The combined effect of climate change are far more of a threat to the Bahamas than Haitians ever were. The Bahamas is already starting to feel its irreversible effects. Another hurricane hit the island in late July 2020. Yet Bahamian policymakers prefer greenwash policies that barely scratch the surface of the problem. <laughs>